Welcome to Swing Left Nebraska. We are the regional chapter of Swing Left, 100% run by grassroots volunteers dedicated to fighting for a more equitable, inclusive, and prosperous Nebraska and motivating Democratic-leaning voters to vote. When we don't vote, when we don't get engaged, get involved, or stand up for what we believe in, we're effectively giving up our power. Action is the antidote. When we collaborate, work together, support each other and our shared values, we can make our voices heard, make an impact, and inspire others to join the fight. Swing Left Nebraska offers you the information, actionable ideas, and tools you need to advocate for progressive legislation and to help elect Democratic candidates who will fight for the common good for all Nebraskans. Let's mobilize. Let's take action. Let's go. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Leah. I'm a volunteer with Swing Left Nebraska and your host. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey on learning how we can use our voice to push back against harmful bills and fight for the rights for all Nebraskans. We have an incredible episode in store for you. Cindy Maxwell Osdeck joins us to help unpack the unicameral from last week and gives us the information to help prepare us for this week. Cindy is the co-founder of the Nebraska Legislative Study Group, and recently she ran as an independent for legislator in West Omaha's LD4. She is a wife, mother, and small business owner with a professional background in recruitment and sales. Cindy believes in service, rolling up her sleeves, and getting to work for her neighbors and community. She is the president of Rank the Vote Nebraska, on the advisory board for Nonpartisan Nebraska, and has proudly volunteered as a nonpartisan election observer through Civic Nebraska. She is a student of the legislature and an advocate for increasing participation of everyday Nebraskans in the Unicameral's second house. I am thrilled Sydney joins us today. Let's do a show. Cindy, welcome to the Nebraska Swing Left podcast. I'm really grateful for your time, and I know I'm excited, and I know our audience is excited to learn a little bit about you. So my first question is, how did you first get activated in politics and being someone involved in using your voice? I'm Cindy Maxwell Ostick. Yeah, I'm really glad to be here with you. I have had a chance to listen to a few of the podcasts you completed with Angie Phillips, who is one of our co-founders of the Legislative Study Group. And I think it's great to focus on the legislature for everyday Nebraskans who may not be following closely from week to week. And there is so much happening at the legislature right now, and it is something that impacts our lives, our livelihoods in such an important way. And I'm just, I want to say thank you very much for doing this. I got involved more actively as far as following what was happening with our government and with elections during the 2016 election. I was a regular voter and have been someone who, as a longtime nonpartisan, voted for people from both parties over the years and supported legislation and opposed legislation from people from both parties over time. But after the 2016 election, I just was very alarmed at the direction I was seeing our country and our state going 
And I was so happy to meet up with Angie Phillips and Brooklyn Rosado and Christy Bradley. And we came together and formed the legislative study group a year or so after that election. And it's just grown from there. We have tried to help everyday Nebraskans to learn more about the legislature, how to get involved, how does it work when they're creating these laws, and what kind of impact can we have as members of the second house. It really is our responsibility to help the senators do the best jobs for all of us. And I think it's been disappointing this year, this session particularly, that there have been some instances where the senators have tried to limit our voice. They've limited the voice of everyday Nebraskans from the second house during committee hearings. And then I've also seen them limit the voice of progressive senators in committee hearings and even on the floor of the legislature. So it is something that I just think is very important. We all pay close attention and then we try to do our best to let our senators know what we really want for our families, for our neighbors, for our businesses, and not leave that up to chance. That's just something I think a lot of us have come to realize how our complacency has impacted where we're at the legislature. Some of us are also just so busy. We have our families, we have our businesses, we have schools, we have childcare, elder care difficulties, all these types of reasons that we might not follow it closely. And I just think that it is too important for us to continue. We have to make sure that we're paying attention and not looking away. Yeah. And I think you do an amazing job with this study group. Can you talk about what your role is? We all have really been learning how the legislature works over the years, some of the rules and things, and then just observing it on a daily basis has helped us to understand some of the de technical details. And when you watch legislature learning how the rules work and things like that. Our legislative study group has focused on the legislature in two ways. One, to try to impact legislation through supporting progressive policies and trying to help fight against regressive policies. And then to also try to elect progressive senators to the unicameral. And that has been very interesting. We've tried to help support candidates over the years. And then in the last election, I actually ran for legislature in District 4, which is West Omaha. And I'm a registered nonpartisan. And I was really proud that the election in my district actually produced the largest number of votes of any of the legislative districts. We had the best turnout here in November. And while I didn't prevail, I was very proud about how Many voters did entrust me with their confidence, and I am someone who really does believe that we need to have more everyday Nebraskans running for legislature because we just have so many retired men. Legislature does not offer living wage. There's only $1,000 a month that the legislators are paid, and so that really is a barrier to a lot of people even considering a run to represent their neighbors, their community, because really a lot of us cannot step away from our work unless you're really established already or you're at the point in your career where you would be able to actually even consider this. So that is something that we've supported is increasing the pay at the legislature. And it's too bad that they didn't even bring it this year with the bill. It's something I would have done had I been elected. 
And I even said and talked about it quite a bit during my candidacy that it was not something I necessarily was looking for personally, but I do want people representing our families who come from all backgrounds, including younger people with different, say, disability or from different religion, or when we talk to people from LGBTQ or who are Black, Indigenous, other people of color, all of these types of things. I just believe we need more diversity and that will help us have the legislature create better laws. If they can open it up to people so there is an actual salary that is livable, I agree that would have been so beneficial if that would have been something that would have been brought to the table. I did see recently, though, that they're working on legislation resolution to increase term limits to three And that's starting to gain momentum. What do you think about that? I was at that hearing yesterday and testified on Senator Dover's legislative resolution to change the term limits to three instead of two. As voters, I think a lot of people in Nebraska, when this came up, as something that they wanted to look at so many years ago. I think a lot of people were dissatisfied with maybe how the legislature was with the results they were getting. And I think a lot of people really just think term limits are a solution. I philosophically disagree with term limits, period. I'm someone who believes that my vote is my term limit. I want to be able to vote for whoever I think would best represent my family, my business. But I would think three terms would be so much better than two. We have seen really detrimental impact on the legislature over the last several sessions because of term limits. And I know that a lot of the senators on the inside have seen that as well. There were so many that co-sponsored Senator Dover's resolution. I think there were like 40. If this is something that they can bring to the floor and get passed in front of the voters, I think it'll be a big education piece. But if we could help people understand that when the Senators have such short terms. The senators then are spending so much time learning, get, understanding all the different legislation that's in front of them. They rely quite a bit more then on, for example, the executive branch or the lobbyists or their party or donors. And all of those outside influences might be actually outsized when someone is coming in with less experience. So those term limits have definitely had an impact on our state. (laughs) So if this were to pass in this session, would this go into effect for this upcoming election cycle? No, it would have to change the constitution. So it would actually be something that would need to be voted on again by Nebraskans. A legislative resolution, and this is a CA, and that means constitutional amendment. So it's a little bit different than a legislative bill. When you look at the numbers on the website where they say LB, which is legislative bill, that's statute that the legislators are voting on to enact on all of our behalf. When it's a constitutional amendment that they would put out to Nebraskans, that is something we vote on. This is why I need you here, because I'm learning every single day. I think I have my finger on the pulse and I've got it and then learning something new. It was just interesting to see people that came back to testify that were previous senators as well, because they felt so strongly watching the changes that happened at the unicameral and seeing that it's just not been very good for our state. If this bill were to go into effect, then those senators who were term limited previously, would they be able to run again? 
I'm not sure what the inaction date is on this. And it might be that they would push it into the future. I would need to double check on that. And like when we talk about other instances where there were bills that would impact the legislature directly, like with like Senator Vargas's bills to increase Senator pay, they were always to be enacted at a future date so that it wouldn't have appeared to be self-serving on the senator's part, if that makes sense. Although Bacon would make us believe that he wanted to get like a $100,000 raise for himself or something like that. And the two times he brought legislation to increase the senator paid, I think the first time was just double. It's $12,000 a year right now. So it would have gone to 24000 It's still not livable. A month. It's not livable. How much is rent or your house payment? And we start talking about medical and food. And stuff like that. But then the other one, which I actually liked better in a way, it was based on a percent of the median income of everyday Nebraskans so that it would move based on how well Nebraskans were performing overall. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that was a better kind of benchmark. Yeah. So let's dive into some of the bills that were brought up from last week. I do want to focus first on some of the voter suppression bills that came up. Let's start first with the positive that LB20, the bill to restore voting rights acts for formerly incarcerated Nebraskan, was advanced by 62 vote. So that's a really good sign of strong bipartisan support for restoring voting rights to thousands of Nebraskans. Mm -hmm. So what are your thoughts on that one? It's way past time. I started following that legislation many years ago. And I remember talking with our previous senator for District 4 was Senator Hilkeman. And I remember talking with him about one of the voter ID bills several years ago and trying to help him understand that arbitrary waiting period was arbitrary. It was something Mm -hmm. that was just, I think, unnecessary at all. And in fact, I personally believe that no one should lose their voting rights, whether they're incarcerated or not. But if we could at least restore people's rights when they've completed their sentence and any probation or whatever, parole or things like that, that are required, they should be immediately restored at that point. And I think that most people, when you talk with them about this very important issue, they agree as well. So I'm hoping that the senators will move forward on this and let's get this done. Yeah, because removing barriers to the right to vote helps returning citizens become full members of their communities. I think some studies have shown that it even helps with recidivism. So it's a good Mm -hmm. overall bill for just the well-being of Nebraska and our citizens. Now, LB228 and LB230 are voter suppression bills that essentially kill the option to vote by mail, which is preferred by 40% of Nebraskans had a hearing last week. Where are things at with those bills? They're still in committee. I was at that hearing. It was actually a combined hearing with Senator Erdman's bills as well as Senator Day's. There had been a voter, the ballot initiative regarding photographic voter ID passed. That is something Nebraskans have decided. And so now it comes to the legislature to implement it. And there was a hearing earlier in the session with a bill brought forward by Senator Slama. And there were a lot of concerns about that legislation. And then on, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday this week, with the hearing in government, military, and veterans affairs, they combined the hearing so that people who attended would just speak on all three bills, either together or pick one or another that they supported or opposed. 
And so it went late. I appreciated that the senators and specifically Chairperson Brewer held the hearing open for everyone that came to testify because that hasn't happened at all of the hearings this session. They listened to people who had suggestions on all sides of the issue. And I know that Senator Chairperson Brewer and the senators of the committee have a lot of work to do to try to sit and craft legislation that will fulfill what the voters have requested and then also not disenfranchise anybody because that's the main issue is we want to make sure that we're not putting up barriers to people who were wanting to vote. And it is going to be very difficult, especially for the elderly and people who are in rural parts of our state with access to their election commission, their courthouse is where it is usually. Sometimes those offices are not open very often or at convenient times. And so how do we figure out a way to make sure that everyone has that voter ID that they need and make sure that it's also not a barrier for any cost? That's Senator Day's bill, LB-675, which would provide a range of provisions that would provide voter conveniences and accommodations, making it so that like more IDs are accepted, expanding the DMV hour, giving prepaid postage for absentee voters who are allowed to be absentee voters, all sorts of good stuff. In our state, you do not have to be pre-approved to vote absentee. In our state, there is no requirement that you have a reason. It is something that we all are eligible for. And that is the difficulty because when you talk about voter ID, are you going to make people put copies of it in the mail every time? Some things Senator Slama had put forward in her legislation, it was an actual amendment kind of at the last minute during the hearing, was to require notarization on vote-by-mail ballots. And that would just really throw a wrench. It's, It's just not realistic. And like you were saying, there are so many people that prefer that type of voting, and I'm one of them. I am really lucky, and any of us in Douglas County, is that we can actually put ourselves on the permanent list for vote by mail. And so it comes to us automatically, the ballot application request. And there are certain counties where it's all vote by mail. Requiring that notarization would be real difficulty for a lot of people. And there's probably not even enough notaries to make it doable. We'd have to start training up and getting people, notary people through their testing process because it's an actual test they have to take and a fee that they have to pay too. Ends up being like a poll tax because the fee to get anything notarized. Or you could go, like most of us could go to our bank or something like that to have those notarized notaries set on our behalf. But if you don't have access to that, or if it's not at convenient hours, then it becomes a barrier. But there just might not be even enough notaries across Nebraska to do it. Yeah, here in my district, even in District 4, the majority of people vote by mail. And so I think people just truly are not going to want to lose that option. And so the legislators are going to have to figure out a way to make it happen. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. And just the whole campaign of getting out this information, I think a lot of people are going to be a little blindsided when they find Mm -hmm. out what kind of hoops they're going to have to go through. So that will be interesting, to say the least. What else can you tell us about some of the hearings last week? It was a busy week. It was a four-day week, and there were 23 hearings overall. And appropriations was every single day. And appropriations committee is actually so important to our state because those legislators on that committee have extreme authority 
with how the budgeting process takes place for our legislature. The Game of Parks Commission, Motor Vehicle Licensing Board, the ones on Friday were all regarding higher education and University of Nebraska. And so those hearings took place all week. And then another through line was in the education committee. They had several important hearings. The perennial restraint bill came back again this week, which is very disappointing. It's something that has come up every year. And it's unfortunate that there is a need ever to restrain students, but for possibly their safety or others. If there is a need to restrain or seclude a student, there should necessarily be training provided with that. And it just seems never to be part of the bill that's introduced. It's so disappointing. So that was brought again this year in the education committee. We also in urban affairs had several bills regarding housing and other important bills for working families. And on Wednesday, it was a really important day for LGBTQ rights. There was a just committee hearing about conversion therapy ban. And then in judiciary, there were bills brought up to prohibit discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity in the workplace, as well as fixing our constitution with removing the kind of marriage provisions that were added by the voters several years ago. Senator Day brought that constitutional amendment legislative resolution. That was the same day as the voter ID bill. So it was really busy day as far as people trying to get between the different committees to testify. I noted it was interesting in natural resources that Dan Hughes was appointed to the Games and Parks Commission, and he's a previous senator in the legislature. So those were some of the bills that came up this week, and many of them in, say, for example, HS regarding SNAP benefits. Those types of bills, it's going to be difficult to get them scheduled. Because the priority process and how it works with the schedule this year and that it's just been front-loaded with some of these more controversial bills. And when we talk about the floor of the legislature this week, it was the continuation for Senator Kavanaugh with the filibuster that she's been conducting on all legislation to try to draw attention to the legislation brought by Senator Kauf, which is anti-trans youth. It's harmful to the trans youth in our state. And so Senator Kavanaugh has been filibustering everything. And it was actually highlighted on the Rachel Maddow show on Monday night. Senator Kavanaugh was interviewed. And so there was a lot of attention paid, not just even in our state, but across the country to what is happening in the Nebraska legislature and this just unfortunate focus on bringing this legislation that would insert the legislature between a family and their doctor trying to provide for these young kids and what they need for their health. And as far as the legislative study group, we're just really supportive for Senator Kavanaugh and we appreciate that she's taking this strong stand for our youth. And it's, I'm sure, very difficult to do because the attention is focused on her being the person holding up some of the legislation. But in reality, it's the focus of the other legislators in the majority who are pushing that harmful legislation. And that's one of the things that's really been played out this last week. If you're someone who watches, you'll notice that she's been very vocal about this and very upfront as well, which I also appreciate and admire. And then this week, they did start 
debate on LB77, which is Senator Brewer's bill to take concealed carry to a permitless and training where you don't have to have a permit or training to carry a concealed weapon in our state. And that has been a focus of his for years. And it's something that has been just very difficult. We watched the war debate this week. It was just very disappointing to hear some of the myths and disinformation as far as the statistics that could come into play. And then it is important to also recognize that the senators were a lot of them talking about law enforcement support for this bill. But the large police departments in Omaha and Lincoln oppose it. So does the Omaha mayor and the city attorney. But the Omaha Police Union, the Officer Association, is neutral on the bill if the amendment that Senator Brewer brought is included. So that gets tricky with the amendment and whether there will be enough senators to pass the legislation with the amendment because it has enhanced penalties, which make it difficult for some senators and their constituents. It passed the first round, though, and I guess we'll see what happens on select file and whether there's more attention paid to those amendments and whether people will want the senators to go against their local police departments. It was interesting to see the back and forth and the different arguments on both sides of the aisles. So what bills are you getting ready to pay attention to for this week coming up? Next week, the through line is regarding education. And from what I understand, Senator Speaker Arch had said that LB 753 will be up in front of the legislature and that Senator Linehan's priority bill, the name of it is regarding scholarship opportunity. And really the crux of the bill, though, is to provide public dollars for private schools and to offer tax cuts, potential credits instead of a deduction. It's to offer tax credits to donors who put money into these scholarship funds for some school children to attend private schools in Nebraska that won't be held to the same standards as public schools. So they won't also be held to the same standards regarding protections for things like religious or disability and some of those types of things. It's just really disappointing. I feel so strongly about it. It's actually one of the reasons I ran for office in school funding in our state. It is very upside down. It's out of whack. There is so much reliance on property tax for school funding. And it's good to have some of that funding being focused from such a stable source of income for our state. But the way it's administered has not been equitable. And there are many districts like the one I live in, which is in Miller, where we are actually not fully funded from the state. The formula is called TIOSA, and it's not been fully funded for years. And in our particular district, we've even done a levy override election five years ago to raise our own taxes to meet the needs of the schools because the cuts were too deep. We were losing even things like part-time reading specialists in elementary schools. So it was just something that none of us wanted to see happen to our schools. And so we raised our own taxes to cover that difference. And we're in the process of doing that again right now here in Millard. We have another levy override to continue those extra cents. It's, I think, at four cents is what we've been staying under, but it's up to nine cents if needed. And it's just really disappointing that the legislature is not focusing on fixing that overall issue 
and instead focusing on diverting our public funds from the diverting these funds to private schools. It's just it's really disappointing. Yeah, that is really disappointing. I can understand why this would be an issue that you were dedicated to in your campaign. What kind of call to actions can you tell the audience about for this upcoming week? There's a lot of bills up in the education committee and the other committees this week. And in our legislative study group, we focus on trying to put out calls to action on those bills. Please, you're welcome to come and take a look. And I know that we have a few that we're trying to focus on. Another thing I would really recommend is that everyone contact their senator about Senator Lanahan's bill, LB-753. It is something that starts out the first year to reduce our state revenues by $25 million, but that number increases every year going forward. And so it will be reducing our state's bottom line in a significant way in the years ahead. And it's been really difficult for some people to understand how the scholarship opportunity works and the tax credit instead of a deduction, which when you and I do our taxes, for the most part, many Nebraskans do our taxes and then we may be qualifying for a deduction here or there. But what happens with the tax credit is that you can file your taxes and then if you have a credit, you just take that off of the bill. So the tax credit will be eligible, and I know there's been an amendment on this, but it sounds like the amount for individuals might be, I think it's like 100000 and for organizations or corporations, I don't know if it's 200000 or more. I'm not sure where it stands right now. But when you're talking about people who would be making donations at a rate that would allow them to save 50 $7,500,000 on their taxes, that's not something that's helping the working families in our state. And that is also very difficult when you imagine over time how much is going to be removing from our revenues long term. And we need to be focused on prudent tax policy in our state and not trying to hamstring future legislators about where they're going to be able to draw the necessary funds for necessary services. So those are just some of the things I would highlight. And it's also something that's been very difficult because there was a real focus on electing legislators that would enact this policy. This last election, there was a lot of outside money spent by an organization called Nebraska Federation for Children. And they were funded by an organization out of D.C. that is actually Betsy DeVos money. And the amounts that were spent in these legislative races were just mind-boggling. When you consider that even in my race, the amount I raised and spent for my campaign was like 90 something thousand dollars. And my opponent spent and raised about two and a half times that, 240-something-ish thousand dollars. But the Nebraska Federation for Children spent over $120,000 in this race as well, on top. So they spent more than I even did for my own campaign individually. So that outsized influence was in several legislative races. And those senators now that did get elected, of course, will be supporting Senator Linehan's legislation. And that's just really very concerning to me. That's the way that the legislation is getting enacted now. 
it's a good point to follow that money. Thanks for bringing that awareness to our audience. Really appreciate that. Any other action items that you would recommend for this upcoming week? Anything we should be paying attention to? Any senators that we should be reaching out to? We have one call to action specifically regarding the integrity of the unicameral. LR2CA legislative resolution that will be in front of the executive board. And that will be, I believe, on Thursday. And that bill would actually take our legislature back to a two-house system. Instead of having our unicameral, our representation would be split and we would have two representatives instead of one. And of course, that would be more tax dollars. <laughs> it costs more money to have two houses again, which I don't think most people are interested in when we're talking about saving money. But it would also be bad for our state with our representation being even more split and definitely have more influence, I'm sure, from the political parties and outside donors what we're visiting about. So that's a really important bill that's in front of the legislature. I am always recommending people continue to be in contact with their legislators regarding LB626, which is regarding ban in our state. It's an effective ban on abortion access because after six weeks, many people are not even aware yet that they're pregnant. And that is something that will be bubbling up, I'm sure, very soon in front of the legislature. And we need to make sure that our legislators understand that we do not want them to infringe our freedom on making our own healthcare decisions. That is definitely an important one, too. And you bring up a good point. Even if you have already taken some action, if you've gone to the Capitol, if you submitted a comment, if you emailed your senator before, you've even sent postcards, one or all of those actions, you can still do those things again. You can repeat any one of those that I just listed off multiple times. Email your senator every day. Send a postcard every day. It, there's no limit in how much engagement you can participate in. And I really recommend people follow our website for more information about the upcoming hearings. But one thing I also wanted to mention is that if you are in Lincoln during the floor debate, you can always ask to see your senator. A lot of people are familiar with the process where you can actually go to the legislature, into the rotunda, talk with one of the comrade coats, the people who are the staff at the legislature, officials that wear the red coats. You can stop at their desk and ask to have your senator pulled from the floor. If they will, step away and visit with you, you can tell them your concerns face-to-face. -face. I know you could do that. Again, learning mm -hmm. something new. <laughs> yes. The first time I did that, it was with Civic Nebraska. There were Actually, it was about voter ID. I went with a couple of people from Civic Nebraska, and we talked to Senator Hulkeman. I gave him the book from Dan Rather, <laughs> where we were trying to highlight some of the things about voter and uh, responsibility that Nebraskans have, and that we should not be restricting that. But when you go to the Capitol, the rotunda, which is on the second floor, there is a big glass door to look into the legislature, the actual body that people, the floor that people are standing on. We can't go in there. There's no access for everyday people to go into the chamber. But the staff who are there, they have a desk right outside those glass doors. They can take a note from Nebraska where you sign your name, your address, and you ask to see your senator, and they will take it to your senator. And if they're available, they will come and meet you outside in the rotunda so that you can briefly talk with them about your concerns, your views, what it is you're asking them 
to do with their boats. That is awesome. Yeah, I had no idea that you could do that. Yes. In fact, the lobbyists are doing it all the time. Ah. When you go to the rotunda and you look, there's the area there where all the lobbyists are also standing. And I don't necessarily have any disagreement with lobbyists. I think they do important work. But they're there because they're paid, of course, and they're there every day to talk with our senators about the legislation that their clients have views on. So I think it's important to every day to rest and understand that we have that ability as well. Absolutely. If you've made the trip all the way down there, the least your senator could do is give you a couple minutes of their time so that your voice can be heard in that Mm -hmm. capacity. Is there any final words that you would like to leave the audience with? I can't think right now. I'm sure there's so much, but I'm so (laughs) glad that you do this every week and that you continue to keep everyone informed. It is something that people can follow along on Nebraska Public Media. They have the live stream for the floor debate, as well as all the committee hearings. But if you miss those, we record them and we share them on our website and our YouTube channel so that you can catch up at a later time and at your convenience. You have just been a wealth of knowledge. I cannot thank you enough for your time and for giving me the education that I didn't know I needed. I want to thank you for all that you're doing to use your voice to push back against bills that are harming Nebraskans and then uplifting citizens of Nebraska with information and giving them the tools so that they can use their voice. You are definitely a ripple effect impacting so many people in ways you probably don't even realize it. So I really just appreciate all that you are doing for our community. It's very much appreciated. Thank you. And good to talk to you today. There you have it. This was a jam packed episode with lots of great nuggets of information that you can carry with you into this week. Cindy will be back next week to continue to help us unpack the unicameral. In the meantime, don't forget to squeeze time in to hydrate, connect with your loved ones, and do some things that add fulfillment to your life. Let's mobilize. Let's take action. Let's go.